uh, we're going to have a brother come up and share a devo with us tonight. I'm really excited to hear this. And uh, a brother who's been with us for a little while now, man, really serving. Just a great servant, man. One of my sweetest brothers. And uh, I know you guys are going to be blessed. So let's welcome Jose as he comes up to bless us. Come on. Yep. Uh-huh. That's my brother. What's up, family? I'm going to stand next to the speaker because, I don't know, I feel like I'm going to blow my ear out. But whatever. All right, so before I even, like, began, dude, let's just bow our heads and pray, man. <sighs> Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I come before you now, God, uh, just asking for grace, Lord. Grace to uh, speak your word tonight, Lord. Father, I don't want, I want you to be glorified tonight, Lord, and uh, I pray, Lord, that I would die to myself, God, and that you would, uh, that you would resurrect me with your power, God, and that you, that your word would go forth, and that the people here would be blessed, God, that they would be drawn closer to you, and Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would just receive all the glory, God, all of it, God. And I just thank you so much, Lord, for giving me this opportunity, Lord, for I don't deserve it. But I praise you nonetheless. And, uh, Lord, that's it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, if you guys could open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. You know what's kind of weird, guys? Like... I'm really used to open air preaching, so like I, so I just feel like dropping the mic and just, just going without a mic. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so if I drop the mic, don't get scared. All right. So, so yeah, man. So like today and stuff, man. I was you know seeking the Lord throughout the day, just like man, God, like, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to even speak? And then I'm like, oh Lord, I have this idea, and then. And then uh, the Lord quietly would be like, Jose, like, I don't want you to speak. I want I want to speak through you. So I'm like, okay, Lord. What about this? No, 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 no. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. And uh, <clears throat> and then today I had like a final and like, you know, I was really stressed. Just college life, you know. And and I was in the library and, and I was just like, Lord, like I'm just going to drop studying and I'm just going to seek you right now please father just <laughs> show me something please you know and, um, and as I was sitting there this chapter came to my mind well actually not even this chapter but this story and the story is very familiar to all of us who are well have gone to church and that is the the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son we even sang a song about it and and I, and most like the most sermons I've heard about this is you know it's always with the prodigal son and all the focus on him, but I, I want to flip it a little bit today because like <laughs> if you guys have pencils I would I would want you to put where it says the parable of the lost son that you put the parable of the lost sons plural. But uh, let's just dive in in verse eight. Or, excuse me, uh, verse 11. 
Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In the King James, I believe it says riotous living. I don't know. I just think that sounds better. And, uh... But when he had spent all there, arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough? And to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and he and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is now found, and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has, dev who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And you said to him, My son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and now is found. Family, what I want to point out in this passage is basically not not so much the son, the prodigal son that comes, you know, uh, in repentance, you know, and the father just loving on him and stuff, just like how that song just we sang about, man. Like I've been listening to that song like on repeat since last week just as soon as I got that CD and man dude I've been blessed but uh but one, one thing I kind of want to just kind of like bring out from the scripture is the other son this son never left he never he never went uh to go sin in a, in a faraway country he uh like he says he says he never even broke one of, one of his father's commandments and uh, I guess you could call him the holy son the one, the one that did all, all the things right in the sight of his father, or we could say that he, he, like, if we wanted to spiritualize this and make 
say that he was uh, like a religious person, you know, and like the father is a symbol of God, that he was a very religious person. So he was close with the father. But when 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 his brother came home, there was no joy in his in his uh no joy in his uh, heart. You know, he was just like, "What? Like what, what are you doing, dad? Like you killed the best cow, man. Like steak and like I don't get nothing and I've done all this." <laughs> and right there, man, it shows his heart. It shows that like it was all like outward like I mean think about it. This father here says that like when he saw his other son coming back from like living a sinful lifestyle, he said that he ran to him. He saw him afar off and ran. Now <laughs> to me that, that that to me that makes this this dad like one who loves his son and like cares about him, you know, so deeply and like, like what Jesus like doesn't mention is just like how long was the son gone? We just know he was gone for a period of time. But can you imagine the father pacing to and fro, to and fro, like, oh, where has my son gone? Have you seen my son? Maybe even posting little, little uh, like posters, you know? Have you seen him? Call me. Because in the parable it says that he was in a faraway country, and the other son. Would have saw, would have seen his father pacing to and fro. Maybe maybe he would have woke up in the middle of the night and found his father praying before the Lord, asking God, please bring back my child, keep him safe. And yet the son, the other son, just was just like, oh whatever, you know, lived on his life, did his duties around the house while his brother perished. And family, my. The whole thing I just kind of want to pull out is, like, God forbid that this would be any one of us. That that we would be the second son, the second prodigal son. Because how, how could we fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Ghost and not have compassion like He has compassion? Not have compassion for the lost. When we see Him, we have friends, we have family who who are who are going to burn in hell. And it's just like, who's standing in the gap? Who, who's, who's asking the Lord, Lord, will you save him? Will you save my family? Will you save my mom? And, and man, like, think about it. The Father loves us. He loves the wicked. It says, it says in, I believe in Ezekiel, that he does not even want... That he, that, oh, man, how's it go? That... That, that that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And this is God who says in another point that He says that He's angry with the wicked every day. I believe that's Psalm 19.7. And it's just like you have this righteous wrath, this righteous anger, and yet at the same time you have this righteous love that... And when we see that the... The extent of that righteous love is, is is when Jesus was on that cross, and and like that shows the Father's heart, you know, like just how far He was willing to go to redeem us, to redeem us. That that's the whole reason why we're here. If Jesus Christ did not die on that cross, well, man, I would not be here. I'll still I'll be out there, or like the like the uh, prodigal son, man, I'll be living a riotous life right now.
But it was because of God's dear son that I'm here. And and family, that's my only exhortation, is that we, if we spend time with the Father, if we, if we get to know his heart, you will see that the Father's heart is, longs for those who do not know him. And this parable, what I love about it, it shows the Father's heart. And and family, that's it's just whoa, like man, I'm just getting like hit with it right now. But yeah, family, that's about it, man. Yeah, all right, peace. <laughs>
You know, there's a story of a girl that comes here to this study. She's not here tonight. I won't say her name. But she was telling me about how she came to Jesus Christ. That she always thought of Christians as these people that just like, they're just a bunch of busters, man. They don't really care about people. And so she was at a wedding. She was at a wedding. And all these Christians were going to be there. And she knew it. And she's like the only one who's not seeking God. And she says, I'm going to get like so plastered like, and just make... I'm, I'm going to get these Christians just to hate on me even more than they already do because they're not going to accept me. They're going to completely just reject me and all this. So she gets plastered at the wedding, walking around just drunk and just... And then she was... For some reason, the Christians kept being nice to her. And one guy in particular, I won't mention his name, but he was there. You would know him if I said his name. He was just being so sweet and such a blessing and just really encouraged. You'd probably be surprised if I told you who it was. He was being such a blessing unto her, and she said that that night she went home and cried. Lord broke her because she could not believe that the people were still being good to her even though she was in sin, even though she was shaking her fist at God, that they were still loving. And she was blown away, and she was broken and changed. And from that day on, she's been seeking the face of God full blast, a true blessing. Maybe she'll come and share her story sometime up here on this mic, but I'm telling you, it's the love of God that draws them into repentance. It truly is. Someone thinks they're perfect? Bring them the law. You're not perfect. You need Jesus. I want to share with you something before we jump into the study real quick. My brother Christian sent me an email. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Jose's he's fired up. He sent an email to all the brothers. I won't read the whole thing because he's kind of sharing some things with us, but I will read the first part. Christian listens to this uh, study many times there online in Canada. He's one of the brothers I spent uh, four months with in Mexico, one of the sweetest brothers I know. He says this, Hey, guys, thank you for lifting me up last Sunday. I really appreciate it. He had all the brothers pray because it was a special night. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, this man... He lives on an island, Gabriel Island, up in Canada. There's about 2,000 people, I think, on his island. And he has a Bible study above this uh, restaurant or above this bar or something. And he rents out the place every single week. He rents out this place every single week so he can have Bible study up there. And check this out. He says, hey, guys, thanks for lifting me up last Sunday. I really appreciate it, exclamation mark. We had record attendance, five people. Yeah, he's fired up. I'm like, yeah! It's Christian, man. He's just like, he's doing it, man. I told him I'm like one person at a time. He's doing it. First it was just him and his mom. It was him, his mom, and Gary. And then him, his mom, Gary, and this other guy has been coming. And now, check this out. There was a lady there who came who had an issue of blood. Just as we see there in the Word. Remember the woman? who had an issue of blood. She had been bleeding for like 12 years and she touched the hem of Jesus. And he said, power has come out from me. Who touched me? And it was the woman there and she was healed. Her faith had healed her. Check this out. The lady there who had came, this fifth lady, she had an issue of blood and was slated to get her liver checked out the next day. Christian says this, we anointed her with oil and prayed for her and when she went to the doctors they said there was nothing wrong in fact that she actually was in great shape amen yeah 
I don't get it, man. Just like whatever he prays for, dude, it just happens. I believe the Lord did a convert healing on this woman, so we thank God. (sighs) Father, we just say thank you. We give you praise and glory. My spirit is stirred to want to worship and praise you and lift you up and say thank you. You are the greatest God. You are a God who heals. And I praise you for the work that you're doing in Canada through my brother Christian. Have your hand upon him. Bless him. Give him words to speak as he speaks with authority. Let it pierce the hearts of the people and let repentance come everywhere. We thank you for this healing and we lift you up and recognize it is you and you alone. We praise you for that. Have your way up there. In the name of your Son, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Ah, that's just refreshing. He anointed her with oil, prayed for her, an issue of blood, and it's gone. Doctors, Steve, how do you answer that one? It's a miracle, bottom line. It's got to be scary to be a doctor, man, you know, if you don't believe in God. All of a sudden they're like, we prayed and something happened and all of a sudden it's not there and like you x-rayed the week before, broken arm, come back and all of a sudden it's together. It's like, okay, um, okay. Uh, were you drinking protein this week? Uh, a lot of milk? It's the hand of God. We praise Him for it. Amen. Continue to lift up Christian. We need to pray for Austin and we need to pray for Ken Hoven. Let's pray. Father, We come to you also, just a couple more requests. Thank you for being one who listens to us and hearkens your ear unto us, Father. And I just want to ask you that you would be with our brother Austin as he's out there in Iraq. Just keep your hand upon him. He needs a refill. I know, Lord, he needs a refill right now. And I just ask, Lord, that your spirit would fall afresh, maybe as he walks out into the desert tonight, and maybe sings a couple songs to you by himself, and just is filled, filled in a supernatural way. Would you give him a word from somebody? Would you send an angel maybe to minister or to appear to him and bless his heart? And Father, we pray for the same for Kent Hovind as he sits in that dark cell, waiting to be free. Comfort him, please. Bring him rest. Bring him peace. Bring him deliverance. Bring him more freedom in that place, in that cell, than he would have on the outside of that cell. Let him continue to serve you. Strengthen him as the enemy tries to rip off and destroy. Make that man a fierce lion when he comes out of that place. Ready to fight against the enemies of this world. Have your hand upon both these men. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in Second Chronicles, if you'll open your Bibles. Second Chronicles. We're going to be looking at two chapters tonight. Two chapters, which I will read through the first one and kind of look through the second. Father, speak to our hearts through your word. It's only by your spirit that people will hear your voice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Help us to believe. 
Help us to trust that you will speak to us. We will listen. Our ears are ready to hear from you. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Are you ready? Abijah, verse 1, slept with his fathers. That means he died. And they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. And in his days, the land was quiet ten years. The land was quiet for ten years, or there was peace for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Stop there. Asa is now king of Israel, and he does that which is right in the sight of the Lord. As you read through the Kings, as you read through the Chronicles, what you will see many times, you'll see these phrases, so-and-so did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or or so-and-so did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. It's pretty much one way or the other. And that is pretty much the way life goes, I think, for most people. Either you're a dedicated Christian or you're not. Period. Either you're a disciple of Jesus Christ or you're not. And there are many in the church that are not disciples of Christ. Let's be honest. We go to church and uh, we go Sundays, we go Wednesdays, we go to midweek study, but we do not live and choose to walk in what is right in the sight of the Lord daily. But I truly do believe that you here tonight, I think there's something different about this group. I really do. I don't know what you're doing here on a Tuesday night, but I'm blessed to see you here, to hear from God. This shows dedication, it truly does. And I truly do see a love within this family, and I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. I heard just from a brother last week that there's something different about the upper room. And I don't believe it's because of me. It has nothing to do with Josh Thompson, I guarantee that. It has everything to do with the Father in your heart, the way it is turned towards Him, that this feels like a family. And that people feel welcome and people feel appreciated and people have arms wrapped around them when they come. And people are, they will be introduced to, yeah, five to ten people if you're going to come here. And I thank you for that. I thank you for being a different Christian, a different kind than the rest of the world. And I would ask that you would continue strong in that. That you'd be one that is set apart from the rest of the church. The truth is there's always going to be those in the church that, hey, think they're serving God and think they're walking with God. But the bottom line is is they don't even know Him. I was speaking at Woodcrest last week, Woodcrest Christian. And this is a Christian high school. Darren was there with me. The band kind of came out. And Tyler Bianco kind of had us come over. And it was a true blessing. I just, God gave me a word of exhorting the kids in having a true relationship with God. Not just reading about Him, but actually talking to Him and spending time with Him, having a real relationship with God. Because, hey, if you read a lot about me and knew a lot about me, do you know me? Oh, no, no, you know a lot about me, but you do not know me. And remember, the question is not whether or not you say you know somebody, it's whether or not they say they know you. That's the question. If you say, I know a big football player, Mr. Quarterback of the football team, I know him, yeah, we hang out, you know, he's I know Tom Cruise or does it that doesn't mean anything. What if I said that? Hey everybody, you know, I know Michael Jordan, like we, we kick it all the time. 
He gives me free shoes all the time. Well, I never see any shoes, Josh. Well, you know, I got them tucked away. You know, like I got tons in my closet. I just don't like to wear them because, you know, I want people to get jealous and all that. No, no, no. You're, you're looking to see if Jordan will say my name. Hey, Josh, what's up, man? It's like, dang, he really does know him. That's what matters. And I think the truly way we define whether or not we know God is, hey, how much time we spend with Him. Talking to Him and then opening the Word and say, God, speak to me. Singing a song to Him, really building a relationship with Him. That is what is important. And Asa here is one that which did what was right in the sight of the Lord, had a true relationship with God. I hope that when we die, here in this room, these people, us tonight, that when each one of us die individually, that God would look down on our lives and say, He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or she did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That as somebody pens about our lives and what we did, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know what I was thinking? I think of like my shepherd. I think of John Corson. And I think of some of these scholars that we have been able to meet and spend time with who have written commentaries. It's so funny. Like when somebody dies, they instantly become like this, I don't know, almost this like distant figure. Because Greg Glory, I was listening to him this morning as I was driving to the gym. He's speaking about Alan Redpath. And I thought to myself, like, Alan Redpath, man, this guy is like a straight-up G. Like, he, this guy preached the word heavy. He was, like, so passionate about God. And this man who is very, had much reverence for God and holiness. And Greg started talking about it. And I've heard about these books, and I've heard about these sermons that he's preached. But Greg starts talking and said, I spent a lot of time with Alan Redpath before he died. I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time with this man. He says he even named his son Jonathan, Jonathan Allen Laurie. He named his son after Alan Redpath. And I was thinking, like, what? He knows Alan Redpath? He spent time with you. He actually sat in the same room with the man, got to know him. I think the same will be true with these men who have written commentaries. Like, like John Corson, he has a full commentary on the entire Bible. And when the man dies and I say, I spent time with John Corson. People are just like, what? But right now I think to myself, the man is just a righteous man. He just walks with God. He just knows God. And when this man died, God looked down and the man writing and penning this book said, this man did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Let this be a testimony of every single one of our lives, family. At the end of our lives, we would say to ourselves, man, I ran the race. I did the best I could. I finished strong still walking with my king. I feel like, Josh, I'm not running fast right now. Begin. Begin the race. It's not too late. It's never too late. Just finish strong. Let's move on. So Asa is king, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. For he took away the altars of strange gods and high places and broke down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord their God, their fathers, and to do the law and the, and, and the commandment. Also, he took away all the cities of Judah and the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. Interesting. Do you see that? He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. What did he do? He broke down all the images. He broke down... Man, I would love to do that. Like if we saw a billboard that was like provocative... Just like smash it down. 
Take it down. If you're like president or you're just like governor or whatever, it's just like that. No. You're going, no, absolutely not. You're walking there in the grocery store and you see the magazine. It's like, nope, you're done. Take these out. Not happening here. Budweiser commercial, you're out of here. MTV, you're out. Strike three. This man cleaned house throughout the land. It's a testimony for our own lives. Cleaning house continually, breaking down those idols, breaking down those things that continue to haunt and continue to rise against us. We've got to smash them. We've got to get away from them. It takes a move, doesn't it? It takes us moving. I wrote the devotional today on this. Being not only hearers of the word, but doers. That when you hear that you are to go and smash the idol, that you would go and do it. And you'd walk away blessed. It's plain and simple. But that is what he did here in this nation. Look at verse 6. And he built fence and he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in the years, because the Lord had given him rest. Oh, love that. Did you hear that? Because who? The Lord had given him rest. You think you're going to find rest because you slept well? No. You will only find rest in your life when it is the hand of God who gives it to you. You think a lazy boy recliner is going to give you rest? How come that millionaire who has the nicest bed in New York City does not have rest? How come the man who is well off and retired, a billionaire, does not have rest? Because it is God and God alone who gives rest. You'll find rest in Him and Him alone. There was no war because the Lord had given him rest. Think about it, family. We're going to go through war in our lives, aren't we? Yeah, bottom line. We're going to experience war. We're going to experience problems and situations. But how can we find rest? It is in God and God alone. That's the testimony of a Christian. You go through hard times and you have rest. I remember, I mean, Jay was just sharing with me last week. Man, his car got broke into, smashed his window, and stole all the money there in his glove box. Lame. It was parked in front of his house. Just smashed it. And Jay said, you know what? It's a bummer, but you know what? I'm all right. You know, like, I, I really do. I feel like a peace and a joy. Like, I'm okay about it. It's all right. I know the Lord's going to work it out. I was like, yeah, amen to that. That's what it's about. We Christians, hey. We don't need to lose it when something bad goes down. No, no, no. We have the Father to deliver us and to take care and bring us rest. Let's move on. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God and we have sought Him and He has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Interesting. Stop there. When things are going smooth in light, I would encourage smooth in life, I would encourage you to build. When war isn't happening and things are okay, get building. Get busy. Because it ain't always going to be like that. And I've noticed that within my own life, and I tell brothers all the time, brothers, I will build you up and I will encourage you and I will exhort you and I will do the best I can to be there for you. But when hey, when the bottom falls out for me, you better be there. I need you. I need you to pray. I need you to lay hands on. I need you to encourage. 
So when things are fine and dandy, hey, maybe you're blessed financially, then get busy. I know there's there's been times in my life where, hey, I felt like I've had money and times when I haven't. And when I do, man, I just try to just, just start opening the floodgates and just start taking care of people. There's other times when you're not going to be able to. That's one for instance. If you have a way to bless because God has prospered you in some way, maybe you're a musician and you have time, then use it for the glory of God. Maybe you have time period just to spend with people, then use it because there's going to come a time when you don't have time. You see what I'm saying? When there's no war, get building, get busy. Don't waste the time. I recognize right now in my life, because I'm single, I don't have a wife, I don't have kids, I don't have a family, that I can minister like never before. And I tell many of the brothers, like I go and I meet with these pastors, and they pretty much want to hear my life story and all the things I've been through. And so I'm like telling them, you know, lived in Mexico four months, lived in Israel for three months, traveled the world and done lots of crazy things. And I just tell them, um, you know, I teach kind of two Bible studies, or I teach, you know, sometimes three times a week, leading worship all the time at different places, ministering, I work at the church. Life is busy, real busy. And the first thing they always say to me is, you're single, aren't you? Like, yeah. You're not married, huh? No, no. It's like, man, I wish I could do that. That's what I always hear. I wish I could do that. Or I wish I would have done that. And so I'm telling you, recognize the position that God has placed you in today and the reason why He's placed you there and take advantage of the opportunity. Build. Get building. Get busy. Because you don't have much time. I guarantee a time will come in your life soon when you will be, hey, overloaded and busy and guess what? You can't do what you can do now. Or maybe things are busy. Get ready. There's a season coming when you can start building again. So get prepared for that. Get ready. You understand? Let's move on. And Asa had an army, verse 8, of men that bear targets, spears out of Judah, 300,000. Out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 204 score, 280,000. All that were mighty men of valor. And I wrote next to there, Snap. What? Can you imagine 300,000 men and then another 280,000 men? It's almost 600,000 men. Have you ever seen Angel Stadium fill? How many is the whole J? Over 40,000. 40,000 people in that stadium. Think about 600,000. 600,000? That's crazy. That's like 12 times over, isn't it? 12 times over. That's an insane amount of people. And he had these, and it says that all were mighty men of valor. What an army. Gosh, I wish we could raise up something like that. Can you imagine if we had 300,000 mighty men and women of valor here in Riverside? What could we do? Or this nation? Gosh, man. I, I just dream sometimes. What if America was a nation of Christianity? The government was behind Everything was just surrounded about it. And that's what they did, is they worked very hard at raising up disciples for Christ. And that was just the thing. That is what this nation produced. Like 300,000 mighty men. 
who love God and chase after Him. Can you imagine 300,000 people crying out to God all at one time, asking for something? (laughs) Father, bring your Spirit, 300,000. Just fall like you've never seen. Gosh. What a dream, huh? Wish, gosh, I wish it didn't have to be that way. It starts with us. You know something really cool that's happening that I see happening as I've been meeting. It's just this is what's active in my life as I've been meeting with these pastors. It's so cool because we're starting to become like brothers, man. These guys like they really want to be. They want to be yoked, not buff. They want to be yoked. They want to be bound together. They want to be brothers. Listen, I go and I meet with these guys, and I've only met with some of these guys like once. And we spent, sat down to have coffee and just the sweetest time of fellowship. And check this out. I went down to Costa Mesa today. We had a big uh, youth meeting um, where all these youth pastors came together because Costa Mesa is going to be throwing down this sick event, which I think we're going to be involved in. I think we as a study should get involved in and help them do decision follow-up, making sure these people get discipled and plugged in. It's a two-day event. It's going to be Friday night and Saturday. And I think the, the college study over at Harvest also, we're going to get involved also. We're going to train up all kinds of follow-up leaders. Go down there and just really minister to this body. They don't even know how to do decision follow-up down there. Did you know that? They don't have a decision follow-up team. Yeah. It's crazy. You think they, was, they were everywhere, but they don't. So anyways, I walk into this room with all these youth guys. And I would met with all these guys you know, the past couple months or however long I've been working there. And I walk in, and all of a sudden, all these guys start walking up. Josh, what's up, man? Yeah, it's good to see all this. I'm just like, dude, dude, this is awesome. They're like family. Like, like we've known each other for years or something, and we just start talking about things. How's your family, man? Oh, it's good. This is happening. How's things going in the youth group? What happened with Johnny? You know, this. We just start shooting the rap. It was so sweet. The first time in my life that I've ever experienced youth pastors and pastors together in a room. There isn't this tension like, oh, my church is better than yours. But all of a sudden, there's this unity taking place. Where it's like, hey man, what, what do you need? How can we help? How can we help you? And it's like, no, wait, what, what can I do for you guys? You know, Is there anything I can share? would love to be able to bless. Hey, our kids are ready. They're ready to serve anywhere you need. Church is coming together. I believe we're on the break of something that we've never seen. I'm going to work very hard to bring unity amongst the Church of Southern California. Very hard. Because I want to see these brothers united coming together in one place the elders of the church of southern california coming together and deciding on things and 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 hey talking things out and hey i don't know what to do about my church over here because this is difficult this is hard how'd you deal with this situation just like they did in the book of acts that's the ways to be do you understand family all the churches in different areas and the elders of the church would come together and discuss things there in acts chapter 15 when there's an issue going on that's what we need. If you meet somebody from family, listen up. If you meet, if you go to another church, if you end up like going to another church other than yours, yours, I would encourage you and exhort you to wrap your arms around those brothers, and you better treat them better than the way you treat the brothers and sisters at your own home. And that we here. Would we once said, hey, when we come in contact with brothers and sisters in Christ, it would be like a family reunion. Oh, you want to kiss them on both cheeks and say, what's up? Be a family. Can we start this revolution? I mean, you know, 
Could we start something where we decide to make a difference and say, you know what? It ain't about who has a better church. Harvest has a real problem with that. It's really sad, man. And I'm like, me and Mike Jonker working very hard to build this bridge because all the churches think we're big brother on the block. Yeah. It's like, oh, big brother wants us to get involved again. It's like, oh, no, I'm breaking down those walls, enemy. Get out. I'm sick of that division. We're going to break it down by saying things like this. Oh, your church is putting on an event? What do you need? How can we serve you? How can we wash your feet? Hey, Josh, can you do this? I'll do that and whatever else you need. Let us know. We're here for you. To humble ourselves before them and to bless them, to love them. We need to be like that. We need to be doing that. And watch 300,000 men, men of valor, women of valor, rise up like you've never seen. It starts with us. <sighs> Here in this little coffee shop. God wants to crack open Riverside. You know that's like the talk over there in Orange County? Like all these youth pastors think there's something crazy going down here in Riverside. I'm, I'm serious because they hear like that things there's Bible studies going on in coffee shops. Just something as random as that. That's like revolutionary to them. They're dead serious. They can't believe it. Like, wow, God is moving in Riverside. <laughs> Come on, man. It's crazy. But I praise God for what's happening. But I'm not satisfied. We have a lot of work to do. and We've got to get busy. If we want to see 300,000 like this man saw on this day. Let's get back to our text. Verse 9, And there came against them Zira, the Ethiopian, with a host of a thousand thousand. That's what the King James reads, a thousand thousand. I love that because they don't know how to write the word million. A thousand thousand. It's the same word that John described in the book of Revelation. He says two hundred thousand thousand. Two hundred thousand thousand or two hundred million men there described in the book of Revelation that will be the kings of the east coming from, yes, the east, it is China. Did you know that China boasted about 200 million men there in the 60s or 70s? They have an army of 200 million men. When John, the revelator, John the pastor John there, writing the book of Revelation, John the disciple, yes, the same one, he wrote down that 200,000,000 will come because he didn't know how to write out what is 200 million. There wasn't even 200 million men there on the earth in John's time. He writes out 200,000,000. And he says there in the end times that 200,000 or 200 million men will come from the east to come and attack Israel. And did you know what happened there in 1960 or 1970? China rose up and boasted of a 2 million man army. 200 million men China has right now. Foot soldiers. And yes, as the Bible tells us, they will march across Asia and they will come and attack there in Israel. And this will come soon. So we know we're living in the end times. Open your eyes. It's very clear to see. But this, sorry about that tangent. We get back to our text here. 200,000 or 1,000,000 1, men and 300, ch- 300 chariots and came to Mar- Marisha. So we got 600,000 men and we got a, a million men a million three hundred men coming to attack. Then Asa went out against. Uh, I'm sorry. Then Asa went out against him, 
And they set the battle in array in the valley of Zavetha and Maurisha. And Asa, look at verse 11, Asa cried out unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, is nothing with these to help, whether with many or with them that have no power? Help us, O Lord God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against the multitude. O Lord, thou art God, let not man prevail against thee. Listen to that prayer, man. Oh, gosh. I almost wish we had to go into battle or something like that. I just like, you ready? Let me pray this prayer right now. Oh Lord God, is nothing to help. You know, I just, it's powerful. You see his heart. Father crying out to God, help me. You know, my brother Jacob has been in big despair this last week. And I've been trying, and I've been counseling him and spending time with him. I told him, though, many times this big tragedy has happened. I said, Jacob, cry out to God. Trust your God. Cry out to Him and trust Him. Trust your God. Cry out to Him. I texted over and over. Trust your God. Trust your God. And He has trusted His God and He has received rest. And He has grown more spiritually in these last five days than He ever has in His entire life. God is delivering Him moment by moment as He writes these texts to me. I've never heard things like this. Josh, I love spending time with God. I really know what it means to have a relationship like just talk to him like he's my best friend. The first night I told him to read, just read the Psalms, Jake. Just read them. He read 11 chapters. Just soaked it in. He's been fasting for the last five days. I didn't tell him to do anything. He just made the decision. He says, I'm sick of the way my life is and I'm going to change. You don't understand who my brother is. Me and Jesse have always kind of been can-do kind of people. It's my, it's my, my youngest brother is insane. He's, a, he's already a foreman in construction. He's 21 years old. He has a four-bedroom house that he owns. He has new cars. He's got the 60-inch plasma. The kid is just insane. But Jacob, the middle child, has always been fun that is very apathetic, very lazy sometimes, loves video games. He gets paid like 18 or 20 bucks an hour to play video games. Yeah, that's what he gets paid for. And he goes to school to design. He's going to school to design video games. Anyways... That's the kind of guy he is. I've never seen him have a desire and a passion that I see right now. And he is growing and he is dedicated. Because he has cried out to the Lord God. It's like a million men army came up against him and he didn't know what to do. And I said, Jacob, cry out to your God. Cry out to your God. Trust Him and watch what will happen. And he is being delivered. Family, maybe that's a word for someone here tonight. You need to cry out to your God. You need to cry out to Him. And you need to trust your Lord. You need to trust your God. Trust Him. Don't miss it. He never fails. He doesn't know how. You trust your God and you watch Him pull through and I will praise God with you. I've been praising God with my brother. I'm so fired up. Watch and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that He is good. Amen? Look what the Lord does, as He always pulls through. Look at verse 12. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them to Jira. 
and the Ethiopians overthrew that they could not recover themselves for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his hosts and they carried away very much spoil and they smote all the cities around Gira for the fear of the Lord came upon them and they spoiled all the cities for there was exceedingly much spoil in them they smote all the tents of the cattle and carried away the sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem it says who smote the Lord smote them that's a scary day Do you know that God fights for you still in this day? No, that's like the God of the Old Testament. Like he doesn't like really like battle and and, and rise up and fight. Uh Uh-oh, au contraire, my friend. The Father is fighting for you and Jesus is in prayer for you. He intercedes for you. And I'm telling you that, yes, the battle is being fought and won for you daily. You've got to choose to recognize that and see that. That there's no battle too big that God has already won. He's going to pull through in your life every time. It's almost like we need to go back to old times or something where nation battles against nation. And hey, when you go to battle, it's like everybody in your whole nation goes to battle. Because man, we just live in, hey, sunny California. And hey, everything's kicked back and the army just... We don't even know war's going on. It's like, what's war? Eh, People are dying. We don't even know what it's like to see somebody die. Maybe some of you do. But to die from a, a gunshot or see somebody hand-to-hand combat, just die right there. I mean, it is crazy. War is crazy. And to see God deliver in that way is absolutely amazing. And he delivered these and smote this million-men army, and that was a huge victory for Asa. Let's move on here. We got 19 verses, all right? Come on, we can do this. You ready? Come on, let's work through. You can do this. Come on. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Stop there. He says, Listen, the Lord is with you. If you forsake him, he'll forsake you. If you choose to follow him, he will be close to you. And this is true for the world, is it not? If you deny him, he will deny you. But for those of him, those who follow him, family, listen, those who follow, you guys who are seeking the face of God, know this: that when you're walking with the Lord and you turn from Him, He has not forsaken you. He will not leave you. But it almost feels as if He has, as if He's far from you. But God says it is not. Me. It's not that my hand is short that I can't reach you. No, no. It's not that my ear is dull that I cannot hear you. It is your sin that separate your sin. If you turn from God, you miss out on the blessings. It's really simple, real basic here. And look at verse three. Now for a long season Israel had been without a true God and without a teaching priest and without law. Interesting. Huh. They'd been without a true God. That's just funny. Because what's what's not a true God? I guess idols and they're worshiping all kinds of other things. So they hadn't been without the, they'd been without the true God. And number two, they'd been without a teaching priest. 
Huh? Is that not the testimony of the churches today many times? They're without a teaching priest. No one to teach the Word. No one to teach it in the way it should be taught. And that's why, you know, family, listen, that's why I want to give opportunity for people to come and share on this mic and exercise their gift. And again, I want to give a shout out. If you want to come and share a div or you feel called, please come. We need to rise up more teachers. Over at Harvest, man, the church I work at, I think there's anywhere from 15 to 18,000 people going there. You think that we would have 100 to 200 teachers. It's just, it's crazy though that we don't. I was thinking that today. Raising up teachers. I don't want to have this mic all the time. Come on, guys, I teach plenty. I don't need any more teaching. You guys need to be teaching. Brothers, you need to be exhorting. Even girls, if you have something you want to share, come on. You need to be sharing. Because women, you need to be ministering. When you are older, you need to be ministering to the younger. And we don't have enough of that today. There are many young girls striving and desiring to have some kind of mentorship. Someone to tell them right and wrong. But there's a gap there. There's something wrong in that area. I'm telling you this day. That there are many girls who need the wisdom of an older woman. But it is not happening. It must happen. Well, I have my mom. Your mom is good. I praise God for your mother because she will give you much wisdom. There may be somebody who is not your mommy. Somebody that will tell you, hey, a lot of times mommies won't tell the ballerina girl that she is not a real ballerina. You're terrible at a ballerina. You actually are really good at singing. Don't do ballerina anymore, okay? You can't dance. But you can sing. So sing. You see? You need an older woman to exhort you and to encourage. That is biblical. And brothers, we need the same. Amen? Hanging out with older men is one of the best things you could ever do. Receive wisdom. Hmm. A true priest, a teaching priest, a true God. And without law, they'd been without for a while. But verse 4. When they're in trouble, they did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, and He was found of them. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And the nation was destroyed of nation and city of city. For God did vex them with all adversary. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. Interesting. Let me read that again. Be ye therefore strong, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Many times you feel like you're working in vain. Many times you wonder if anybody even cares. You will be rewarded. Yes, you will. There is coming a day when you will stand before the living God. Me too. You will stand before Him and your reward is in heaven, my family. My friend, your reward is in heaven. You seem, I do all this and nobody sees, nobody cares. I work and my hands are tired. Keep chugging away. Watch how God will move in your life. Did you know Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa? He was the guy who kind of 
God, God's hand used to start the Jesus movement, all these things, and now all the Calvary chapels, there's like over a thousand of them on the, the earth right now. Churches. Do you know that Chuck Smith pastors a church of like 100 or 200 people for like 30, I'm, I'm sorry, until he was like 35 or right there, 40 years old. His church is like, they say that 25,000 people walk through there some weeks. You just keep chugging away. You keep watching and waiting. The reward will come. Maybe not in that way, but your reward will be given to you regardless, no matter what. I want to move on to this um, this sweet thing that happens. And So let me just keep reading. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took, cur- he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Amen. He kicked and he destroyed. He ripped out all the idols. Look at it again. Verse 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon and they fell to him and they fell to him out of Israel in abundance, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Interesting. Wish I could expound on that. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month and in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And look what they did. Oh man, look at this. They'd offered up to the Lord the same of the spoil, which they had brought seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Stop there. This is amazing. This king leads these people into a place that I would love to see this people, our city, this church, you guys, into the same place. That when we see the Lord God move, like we did with Christian, that lady, that woman healed. Something powerful go down that we would say, man, we are going to offer up 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep we are ready to sacrifice before the living God. You know how long that takes? How long does it take to sacrifice one animal? 700 oxen? You know how big an oxen is? Big ox, these fat horns coming in here, probably like this tall. It's like, okay, you ready to be sacrificed? All right, here we go. Man, 700 of those? And then 7,000 sheep, that's insane. But look at how dedicated these people are. They're, they're, they're crazy. Seriously, they, they're like insane. Talk about Jesus freak, you want to see one? Look at this. It says, And they entered into a covenant with God. They made a covenant before the Lord to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Making a covenant That's where all of us would say, man, God, we're making a covenant with you that for the rest of our entire lives to seek your face and to not allow anything to come in the way of seeking you and spending time with you. These guys were dead serious about their walks. Dead serious. Look at the next verse. Verse 13. That whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman, Snap. These guys were dead serious. They said straight up, if you don't want to seek the Lord, 
in this city, in this nation, you're going to die. Man, what a day that is. I'm not saying we should turn our nation into a place and start straight up pulling out the guns and just saying, if you don't want to serve God, we're going to kill you. No, no, no. But do you see how serious these guys are about their walks with God? Dead serious. And look at what they do. Look at what they say. Verse 14. This is this is huge. They swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting, with trumpets, with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought Him with the whole desire, and He was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Man. Man. Can you imagine if just the church of today said, we are not going to be unequally yoked ever again. If you don't want to seek God, we're going to kill you. They've like turned their back on the wicked completely. Anyone who does not seek God around me, it's like, sorry buddy. I cannot be yoked with you. Sorry girl, I can't have this relationship. I choose to seek the face of God. I'm sorry. Like it ain't about like that. You're not. You're great. You're a good person. But I'm choosing to seek righteousness and to seek this God, this God man who loves me and laid his life down for me. And I want to seek him. And I want you to seek him with me. Please come along. No more. If you invite me to go somewhere, can I go? I'm not going to go anymore. But I'll invite you to church. You can come with me. It's always open. I want you to come and hang if you desire. Do you see the stand that this nation is making? It's phenomenal. And the covenant that they are making with their God. Can you imagine? Man, I would just love to see, like, again, 300,000 men, 300,000 women there, all in one unison, and they're all crying out together, making an oath before God, saying, we choose to seek your face, and we are willing hey, to put to death the people around us. And I'm not saying we have to do that literally. But I'm saying sometimes we might have to do that with the people around us. We are be a light in this dying world, but we are not... What fellowship does light have with darkness? None. My buddy Greg, man, he keeps calling me. He wants to hang out. And I will hang out with him to a certain extent, but it ain't going to be every day. It ain't going to even be probably just barely... Maybe, once a week is like, man, you're, you're really pushing it. You get once a week, man, you're, you're, just, you're getting a lot. But I'm not going to be in that atmosphere. I'm not going to be around that. Greg, if you want to come, man, and hang out, you come with me to church anytime you want. You want to come hang with the bros? Come on out. We've got some sweet brothers. But I will not conform to the world. We must not. May we make an oath before the Father. And the sweet thing about that last verse, I mean that last part of that verse, it says, after they had made that, the Lord gave them rest round about. Man, praise God. Let's close this up. And also concerning, I don't know his name, Mehacha, I think that's it, the mother of Asa, the king. Look at this. Look what he did. He removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it in the brook of Kidron. 
straight up. Meh. His mother is queen. He is king. He says, Mama, you built an idol that is against the Lord. I'm going to cut it down, smash it, and I'm going to burn it. And he snatched away her right as being queen. Took it from her. Interesting. Man. Do you see the dedication of these people? Are you seeing it? Is the picture painted perfectly? It says, But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Esau was perfect all his days. Man. And he brought into the house of God the things that the Father had dedicated that he himself had dedicated silver and golden vessels, and there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Do you see that last part? Verse 17, last part, read with me. The heart of Asa was perfect all his days. Does that mean he didn't sin? No. But that means he had a heart set towards God all his days. And that's what I'll leave us with. I know you're weary, and I know this is a lot to take in tonight. Two chapters we just pounded, and I praise God that you have chewed that beef jerky for a long time. Almost can't even swallow it anymore because you chewed it for so long. I know. But I hope that your attention span would continue to be stretched, that there would come a day when we can take in two hours of teaching, no problem. It's a piece of cake. Because we don't allow the TV to tell us we can only take in 30 minutes. But we love the Word of God and love to bring it in. I'm telling you that this man who is perfect before the Lord and set apart, we can be that way today. Did you know that, family? Have a perfect heart before God, a fresh start, new beginning. That you would start moving toward Listen, that you would begin moving toward, listen, seeking, walking with, having a perfect heart before God. What does that mean? Just simply this. Listen, we will all fall again. But when you fall, dust off your knees and run to God. Do not allow yourself to break fellowship with the Father ever for the rest of your entire life. Don't ever allow it to come in. Be seeking His face all the days of your life. You're going to mess up, okay? Let's be honest. But I believe the difference between Christians who are successful and those who are not is people do not dust off their knees and they do not keep running and chasing God. They allow a week of time to go through before they fellowship with the Father again. They allow a week to go through, go by before they spend time in the Word. They allow time to go by before they fellowship with their brothers or pray for or confess to. Do you understand? Do not allow fellowship ever to be broken with the living God. If you mess up what you will, Dust off your knees and run to Him and watch Him run to you. Watch Him run to you. Amen? Thanks for taking it in. Proud of you guys. Let me pray. Father, please hear us, God. We're so thankful that You're such a great... You're a great God. There's none like You. 
that you would be so gracious to a people who many times don't choose to seek your face, but you still reach your hand down day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You're the most forgiving, compassionate, just, righteous God. There's none like you. And Father, even as Asa had a heart towards you and knocked down the idols in his life, in his town, in his city, in his country, that he dismantled the people around him, God, that did not choose to serve you, I pray that we would do the same. And I ask, Lord, that we would make decisions. Lord, there's some here tonight that need to make decisions, need to talk to you about these things. And so, Lord, and the same with me, Father, there are things that we need to just lay at your feet and smash the idol and let it never, ever come back ever again. Help us to make that decision. Help us to move forward. Have your hands upon these. Help them to grow and to seek your face all the days of their lives. In the name of your Son, we ask these things. Jesus, Amen. Amen. Amen.